Hey everyone, welcome back to the Rock Church Podcast. Uh, This is Pastor Shane Beeson, and we're going to go around the table and tell you who's here with us today. Hi, this is Pastor Mike Erdman. And my name is Tyson Lambertson. And my name is Benny Friedman. It's so good to have this roundtable of individuals with us. It's great to have our special guest, Benny. Um, And... uh, We are still in the series Pneumatology, which for those maybe that are coming into this right now, Pneumatology is a Greek-derived word that means really the theology of the Holy Spirit. And um, this last week, we covered a topic or a question, is he Pentecostal? And we opened up that idea and said, hey, is he Pentecostal? What is Pentecost? It's a new word for a lot of people. Um, so is the word pneumatology. So is the Holy Spirit in general. So we're going to kick it around and have everyone jump in. This is an opportunity for us as leaders to really expound more on what we talk about on a Sunday morning. Well, I'll just start. It's good to have Benny all the way from Jerusalem, Israel. Uh, Benny is our tour guide when he goes there. So I'm looking forward to kind of a messianic perspective on the Holy Spirit Uh, When I think about Pentecost, when I grew up, uh, I was kind of introduced as uh, Pentecostal as kind of people who wear with wear wear kind of wild hair and purple hair and caked on makeup, and in other words, they were kind of extreme, right? Uh, But when I really started to understand the word Pentecostal and the importance of that, which I, I look forward to jumping down into. I realize that the Holy Spirit wants to be active, an active participant in our walk, and the Holy Spirit is God. So, uh, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but let's talk about this. I'd like to throw something in there. I mean, you know, I think you hit the nail on the hammer there with this, you think of Pentecost, these wild people, but I think that's a very good up. Perspective, because what God is doing in this instance, when we look at Acts chapter 2, is wild and crazy. This hadn't been done before. So, when you take that perspective and you see, you know, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and Holy Spirit in the New Testament, it's the same Holy Spirit, same, same move of God's going on. What the difference is, is in the Old Testament, God has appointed people. You have prophets, you have priests, you have kings. Even King David uh, says he's uh, anointed by the Holy Spirit and he speaks out. Uh, with his tongue. So, he does exist in the Old Testament, but the difference is, is when Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, he rips that veil between God and man, and therefore, now the Holy Spirit is is allowed or will come into each and every single one of us. That's a radical move of God. You don't have to be a priest anymore. You don't have to be a king. It's a personal relationship, and that is the difference between our God and any other God. He wants it to be you and me. He wants every one of us. So I think it is a radical move. I think it's a good thing. And purple hair might be a little extreme for me, but you know, well, jumping up and down that that experience of being with God, I'm all for it. 100%. Uh but in America, one of the cultural things is being Pentecostals uh kind of weird. And we know that the Holy Spirit is kind of weird in that until you get to know him. And then once you get to know him, he is He's genuine. He's awesome. He's powerful. And yes, we do need more experiences like Acts chapter 2 in we today's do. church. We do. And I, I liked what Tammy said last week, um, is he's supernatural. And that can seem weird for somebody who 
maybe is more logically brained or really scientifically based. And when you deal with something that's supernatural, that is other dimensional, it can be weird. But think of his names, comforter, helper, advocate. Those are uh, attribute names that bring comfort to me. Um, I think where we run into problems here in America is... People seem to use that word Pentecostal as a license for chaos, and that's actually not what the Spirit of God is. The Spirit of God, he's he's not the author of confusion, but Mm. of peace. And so um, I think of that, Benny, while you were talking, I'm really curious if you can bring up some cultural context. We know a little bit maybe about the day of Acts 2, but even what is Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot, is that how we say it? What's the culture around that today? So yeah, the Hebrew word is Shavuot. It means weeks. And um, it's a very important festival. This is one of the, the three festivals, foot festivals, that every single person would have to go to Jerusalem. So that in itself means it's an important day. And you come and you're bringing your first fruits to the Lord. So just in that, it's a, it's a very important event for giving what is due to God, but you're coming together with the first fruits, but it's a celebration of what God has given to you. So the Holy Spirit, it was there from the foundation of the earth before, you know? If you look at the book of Genesis, and it says, um, we created man in our image. Well, who is we? God's talking to himself, right? So you already see this concept of the Trinity starting way back before there was anything. And then he continues throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament. So when we're bringing our, our, our festival, uh, our, our first fruits to the festival of weeks, it's an ingathering of the people of God saying, God is always faithful. God will always be faithful. This is why I can bring this. So there's a cultural context and a a personal context of, I know what God has done for my forefathers. I know how faithful He has always been to us. Look at the harvest I'm literally holding in my hands. I did nothing. I sowed a seed. God made it rain and everything grew. Mm. I know God will continue to do this in my personal life and in the nation's life. God is faithful to His people as long as we're faithful to hear to Him, and I'm here showing that I'm faithful to Him with my brothers and sisters around me. So you put this beautiful context of what it actually means to go up for the feast of weeks to Jerusalem, what it means to come to the house of God as an individual and as a nation, and you have this beautiful celebration of a covenant-keeping God, and that's what we're supposed to keep our minds on. And if you look at the the stories in the Bible, there are many stories that take part in this week of, uh, of um, festivities that is happening. Sorry, I said week. In the uh, festival of uh, weeks. And um, Boaz and Ruth, that happens in this time. So you have all this context of this is who we are as a nation. God is faithful. Let's celebrate together because he will continuously be faithful to us. Uh, you know, uh, you when you say that, Acts chapter 2, verse 5, says there were in Jerusalem a lot of Jews, and it says devout men from every nation under heaven. So you have all these people show up, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes, and they begin to speak in other tongues, baptism in the fire and the sound of the multitude when they came together, speaking different languages. And they're asking, hey, are all these Parthians, are all these Medes, are Elamites, are residents of Mesopotamia, Judea? I could only imagine just being in Jerusalem 
being part of that and just hearing all the different languages being being spoken at the at, at, in Acts chapter two pretty powerful. Absolutely, and and the beautiful thing about that is if you come to Jerusalem today, you can hear all those languages yeah, being yeah. spoken again. Yeah, that's crazy. But that's a, that's another good point, Tyson. Is you see, you know, we read about the feasts in the Bible, and people say these are the Jewish feasts. They go up to Jerusalem. They do this. No point in case, right? Point in case, right here. God is an all-inclusive God. Anyone who is in relationship with Him is coming to Jerusalem. You come to Jerusalem and you bring your tithes to Him. Shane, you come to Jerusalem and you bring your tithes to Him. It's a family occasion. The family is much larger than the Jewish people. Okay, we're the caretakers of the temple, we're living in the land, but we are all going as a family of God to the house of our Father. And God says, these are my festivals, not the Jewish people's, it's His festivals. So we all go together. So the family is much wider than just Israel or the Jewish people. God wants everybody. And that's what we see in the finished works of Messiah is he brings everybody into this covenant and we all get to celebrate together. So, Benny uh, and Mike, Shane, in Acts 2, we see this experience come and we see this happening. And for some, they said this was a one-time experience, right? But we know that it's more than that, that Pentecost happened over and over in our lives where we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So can we talk a little bit about that? What's been your experience with, with the Holy Spirit? What has He done in your life? That's a, that's a couple of podcast kind of question. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. I know in my own life, um, you know, going back to the beginning of what we were saying with Pentecostal or Pentecost type churches, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of hurt that has happened that I I think we can recognize that people look at this the wrong way, and I know that that was kind of my story up until the moment where the relationship with Jesus brought that real baptism in a way that just transformed my life in so much more than um, one experience. There's been so many times where the Holy Spirit is active and speaking to me and through me and drawing me into a closer relationship with Christ to transform me into who I actually am and not who I think I am. And it's been a lifetime of experiences that I look back and go, yeah, I can, I can relate to, you know, Peter and the message that he wanted to scream from the steps as he was baptized in the Spirit and just being overjoyed and wanting to speak in a language that I know God gave me. And I, there's, there's so much to it that is beautiful and weird, quote-unquote, but um, not weird as you get to be more normalized in this relationship with the Holy Spirit. I love uh, Acts 2 Pentecost. Because I think of Peter as not someone who would stand up in front of the mm-hmm. masses, masses and preach the gospel, but he also quotes Joel chapter 2, um, which is roughly a, we believe, what, a thousand-year prophecy at that point. Um, and that encourages me because what it does for me is it says, hey, um, with the Spirit of God, really anything's possible. <laughs> 
um, regardless of maybe your, your natural personality, whether you're extroverted or introverted, how educated you are. I think of Moses being the leader, having claiming to struggle with communication or um, any of these individuals. And um, I think about my own life. I'll just share a couple experiences. But like Pastor Mike said, I've had various experiences or encounters with the Holy Spirit. Everything from the still small voice, the holy knowing, maybe what we call it inside of being guided and directed by the Lord, all the way to the feeling of fire, to speaking in tongues, and everything in between. And um, as I was preparing for the message last Sunday on Is He Pentecostal, I remembered a couple experiences. One, um, I remember being in my mom's car uh, I can't see over the dashboard or out the window, so I'm that size. And my mom would worship with worship music ministry playing on the, her stereo, and she would sing and pray in tongues. And I, at that age, I have no idea what's going on, but I remember I asked her for that. I like, I was like, "What are you doing? Can I do that?" And as I just remember us sitting in traffic and she just leaned over and um, she just prayed for me to receive that. And I started speaking in tongues in that time. And what's crazy is, you know, I'm a little kid and I spoke in tongues in my personal prayer. I actually didn't know what it was. I didn't have all this context. And so that would be something I would do privately and personally for years. But then, um, and then through that time had various I would say encounters with the presence or the manifestation of the spirit of God. But I remember specifically in my early twenties being at a church and someone presented the baptism of the Holy spirit in a very um, tangible, eloquent way where I really understood. And I said, I want that. And I remember asking for that. And I remember going into a side room with them and, uh, a handful of leaders coming in, laying on hands on us, praying for us. And that was like um, unexplainable experience. And I, I, I cried a ton. And it was like I, I experienced the presence of God in a way I had yet to experience like that. But I also uh, went through a ton of inner healing. I like, I, it was like God was stirring up all this past trauma and clearing it. Um, and, um, I already had the gift of tongues. So as soon as they started praying, it just was like, boom, it flew out of me. But there was another move of the spirit of God on me in that kind of other baptism that brought a ton of healing from growing up in a broken family and all these things. And since then, there's been various, uh, experiences or encounters like that, that I've had with the Lord, some personal and some with the congregation as a whole, where I wasn't the only one who experienced it, but a larger group. So those are just some of the scratch the surface of experiences that I've had. You know, I look in scripture and I see Stephen, who is a man full of faith, and it says full of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I look at Barnabas, uh, a man full of the Holy Spirit. and, And you look back at John the Baptist, who says, I baptize you with water, but there's going to be one coming after me that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And while we know that a strong evidence is the gift of speaking in tongues, there are many other ones that have I've experienced in a refilling of the Holy Spirit, like words of wisdom, words of knowledge that I did. I'm like in a situation where I didn't know what to say, what to do, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up. Uh, there are times in our life where we have to have 
this gift of the Spirit called faith, <laughs> supernatural faith, uh, gifts of healings, working of miracles, discernment, knowledge, distinguishing spirits, various kinds. So the Holy Spirit is not put in a box. He can do multiple things in multiple ways and show up. So from a Messianic Jewish perspective, where are we at with the Holy Spirit? I mean, what, what, where, where do you... What's what's the thought process? Yeah, see, um, the the Jewish world's a little bit different. Um, what what we don't like to do, and I think you 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 said it beautifully right there, is we don't like to put God in a box. We say these are the gifts of the Spirit. He's not limited to just that, but these are free for us. These are you know God's using terminology we can understand because how on earth could I know what your address is? You know, but if God's speaking and He wants to prove to you that I'm speaking to. Who is speaking? Well, here's your address. You know, is that not proof enough? You got a bum leg? Let me heal that too. It's not Tyson doing it. It's not me doing it. It's God doing it. And that's the beautiful thing about this relationship is this is evidence of who we're in covenant with. So, in a Jewish perspective, why can't God do that? He's done it everywhere. He's done, I mean, he's done it through people who don't even know about God, you know? So, I like to, or the Jewish world likes to not put God in a box of this is, this is how you know he's saved because he can do this. Well, God can do it through a sinner as well. well. I mean, we're all sinners, but he could do it through a non-believer as well. But the fact that his people are the one moving in it and they know who it is and they attribute it to him, I think this is a powerful tool for the non-believers to see. And I'm talking about my own people, you know, for Jewish people to see. I mean, one of the fastest ways to get a Jew or a Muslim to believe in God and the one true God and in Jesus. Well, let me tell you about my God. Oh, I, I don't really know you. I just met you, but I, do you have a heart issue? Can I pray for you? And suddenly, boom, that heart issue is gone. No doctor on earth, you know, they may have gone to every doctor, um, every expert, every voodoo man on earth. No one could do anything. But God, in a moment through you, can heal that person. Wow. I am definitely at least going to investigate this. God makes a very strong promise, and I'm uh, evidence of that. Seek and you shall find. Well, you send him on this road, it's a one-way road to God, man. And you will find God, and then you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then you will go and win souls for God as well. So, when we talk in the Jewish world about um, the concept of the Holy Spirit, it's actually much larger. Because God, from the very beginning and to the very end, His Spirit is very active, and He's very active within the Jewish people as well. We just don't know who, we're, who it is that we're talking about until we come to faith. And then we're like, man, He was there the whole time. Look at that. And then you move even more power when you know who it is that you have to attribute these things to. Because it's not us doing it, it's God. And that brings up a thought, a concept um, from your culture to me, uh, his name being Ruach HaKodesh, right? And is yeah. that, that's Hebrew, but it's tied to wind, right? Or like, yeah. and then even Jesus said um, to the Pharisee, like that the spirit of God is like the wind. You don't know where, where it is, where it's coming, where it's going, but could you bring in some, some help us understand how maybe Middle Eastern or Jewish culture sees the spirit of God and wh yeah. what's the viewpoint or I, and I'll, I'll put it this way in America, we have this really intellectual, logical, technological, scientific, we over glorify those things. And we've, we've ruled out supernatural things. And, um, I'm always refreshed when I go to cultures and areas where that's normal life for them. I don't know, maybe speak to that yeah. a little bit. Well, that's, once again, you know, when you put God in a box, you've literally locked him in a box, and 
God's still going to be outside the box. It's you inside that box, mm. you know? So when we talk yeah. about the Holy Spirit, in the very beginning, there was nothing. I mean, read the first verse of, of Genesis, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. Well, boom, right there, God is a spirit. Now, there's a, a, um, a Jewish concept, it's a rabbinical concept, that God can manifest his way, himself in any way he chooses to. He's not bound to be a spirit, he's not bound to be a pillar of fire. He could be a talking donkey if he wants, you know? And throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, we see God doing that. So, it's really us that are bound in this box that we think God is bound in the box, but it's our minds. And it's when we build this relationship with him and we read the Bible and we're grounded in the Word of God we actually know, wait a minute, God is outside of time. God is outside of any concept that I know. He's much larger than anything I could ever imagine, because God is using terminology that I understand as spirit. Okay, I felt wind before I know what a holy wind is, I, or wind is. Okay, he's a holy wind. Um, I know what a spirit is. You know, he's using words that I can understand, but he's way more than all of that. So, I think once we, you know, break down the box, forget what Greek uh, theology says, what Jewish theology says, what does the Word of God say? And let's, let's examine throughout the Scripture how God manifests Himself in any situation. I mean, a fish swallowed, you know, uh, in the middle of the Mediterranean, this big fish comes and swallows a man, just happened to be diving off a boat and survives three days and spews him out on, on the seashore. I mean, God can do anything He wants. So why why are we the ones binding him into this little concept of this is all God can do in this little box and anything other than that is voodoo or whatever you want to attribute it to? Right. God is all powerful. God can move in any way he wants and he will because his whole goal is to reach us. And if it takes fire and brimstone to come down to show his power or someone telling you your address as you walk down the street or in Walmart, then God will reach you in that way. And once we, we take the shackles really off of ourselves, you'll see God moving in that way in today's world and in biblical days as well. What I love about what you're saying is it takes this idea of weird out because, um, Tyson, you said something really key was, I know him. And I was thinking about that a lot when you were talking about that, because what has, what has changed my perspective on the Holy Spirit is relationship with him and having an idea uh, of, obviously, he can work well beyond my understanding, but when you build relationship, it's less and less and less weird. And I don't know, maybe you can speak to that a little bit, and maybe some of your experience, too, in regards to the move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, one of the sad states of our culture is we do put God in a box with our finite mind. We put an infinite God in a finite and try to comprehend all of that. And so then we say God doesn't work outside of these parameters when he's bigger than the universe. He's the one that created yeah. it all. And that, just thinking about that, is... Yeah, it's more than that. Yeah. It's incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah my brain so, kind of shuts off. It yeah. kind of goes, I can think about, oh, and then I just go mind melt, and because then it's I, like... <laughs> I do put God in a box. I think we all, we all as human nature, have this idea but, uh, that he only works in this way, in this atmosphere, and only in the American culture. You know, he doesn't work outside of that, mm -hmm. which is nonsense, because he's so powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's 
every, I mean, this is who God is, right? He's all knowing this, this God. And so to think that he can't move again, like in Acts chapter two, is just asinine to me. Uh, and to say that he only, he only did that during that time and he doesn't do that now after the last apostle died, uh, is to me is, is heresy. Uh, because God works beyond all time. And so, I don't know if I'm answering your question, Shane. I, I, th- I would love to see Acts 2 experiences happening all of the time. Where thousands come to Jesus because of one person's willingness to stand and say, Holy Spirit, use me. And 3,000 people get added to the church that day. That could happen. Absolutely. It yeah. could happen here in uh, Podunk, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. We could see God do that and something spread like wildfire. But it seems as though anytime a move of the Holy Spirit happens in America, the arrows come out yeah. and we try to limit to God. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want that. Um, and I've experienced true, genuine move, moves of the Holy Spirit in my life. And those are such sweet, soft, powerful moments that I don't want to hold on to, or yeah. that I don't want to let go of. I want to hold on to those. I think I've been really thinking about this lately in my own personal life is when God says I'm doing something new, what does that mean? Like the day, this day of Pentecost was unlike anything that they'd experienced, the Israel people had experienced in the entire history of the of the culture and you don't see the red sea being parted again you don't see the donkey talking to balaam again you don't he does new things and every time it happens that people go well that can't be god you know what i mean and so when god says i'm doing something new the possibilities are inconceivable i can't imagine something new that god can and the only thing i know is what he has shown me to be true and to trust and follow and have faith that he is leading me again through his spirit that he has poured out on all mankind in the day of Pentecost and Acts. Yeah, and one of the things the Holy Spirit does is always points us to Jesus. Absolutely. Always. Yep, always. Always. To Jesus and his word always points us back yep. to that. It has to be because he's the one that rips that veil so that we get that Holy Spirit, yep. so that we have that one-on-one intimacy with God. I think what Pastor Mike was saying was beautiful because... When God's saying, I'm doing something new, it has to be something new. Because the old thing is how my ancestors got there. If I see the same thing happen, well, okay, that's, that's not my God. That's, you know, he's bound to just that. You see Elijah. Elijah goes to Mount Sinai mm-hmm. to experience what the people of Israel experienced. Fire, you know, uh, trumpets. He wanted that God experience. But God's a, God's a verb. He's in constant motion. We can't get bogged down in the things of old because the things of old aren't relevant to us today. There's new problems. We got, you know, kids addicted to drugs. They didn't have that back then. You know, my kids play video games now and then, and I could see when I take them off, no, give me the remote back. You know, like there's a new culture around us today and God has to work in this culture. So if it's fire and brimstone, 
well, we'll just close the blinds and keep playing our video games or whatever <laughs> we're doing. God has to move in a new way to reach this new generation, and we attribute it to the same God because what He did for our ancestors, He's doing for us in a new way today, and He'll do for my kids in the future. Amen. Yeah, and I, I, maybe we can wrap it up with this, is mission. The Spirit of God is missional. The kingdom is growing. And um, I know I wouldn't be alive today without the move of the Spirit in my mm-hmm. life, without the the gift of a prayer language that has saved my life. But the Spirit of God does two major things, reveals Jesus, draws me to Jesus, but then draws me to mission for others. Um. Makes me, not makes me, um, it makes me. Like my insides make me want to obey and get on mission to proclaim the gospel, to reach out to people, to pray for people, all these things. Um, that the Spirit of God is missional. And I just maybe I could sum it up this way Tyson said just a minute ago, talking about referring to Acts 2 or the last apostle being the end of the move of the Spirit, like that. That would mean heaven's full, that the mission's done. Uh, all that stuff, and it's not. Heaven's not full. It's not too full. Um, the mission's not done. There's, pe- there's people, tribes, nations that haven't heard the gospel. Um, my mission's not done. I have a call in my life. All of you have a call in your life, and it requires the Spirit of God in us uh, to to have, be empowered to walk that out. So um, let's end it there. Maybe, Tyson, will you uh, wrap us up and bless those listening right now. Yeah. So I just would say this, we're not completed until we get to heaven and we need the Holy Spirit here on earth. When we get to heaven, we're with God. And so we don't need the Holy Spirit. His presence, Jesus's presence fills the room. Thank you for listening. What a great time, Benny. Thank you for being Mm -hmm. here on this podcast in person, actually, which is really (laughs) cool. Not online, you're in person. And we're grateful for it. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And uh, continue to tune in as we'll have more episodes coming.